As I looked through the telescope, I could hardly believe my eyes. There, before me, in the constellation of Virgo, circling a medium-sized star was a planet. And not just any planet. It had oceans and land masses and polar ice caps, just like Earth. And then it hit me. Not only was this planet a lot like Earth, it was exactly like Earth. It was an exact twin of our very own planet. I was stunned. I had to walk away from the telescope. An exact copy of Earth! Were there people there? Were they like us? Did they have the same problems, the same hopes? When I finally summoned the courage to look again, I realized that I had been wrong. It wasn't exactly like Earth. The continents didn't have anywhere near the same shapes as ours, the oceans were different, and many other features were dissimilar. Still, it was a planet, and the very first conclusive evidence of such outside our own solar system. Then it hit me. According to my calculations, the entire planet, oceans, continents, and all, was only a mile in diameter, and rotating at more than 20 times per second. It was a world in miniature, spinning at a phenomenal rate of speed. I was stunned. I sat back in my chair and rubbed my face in bewildered disbelief. After rechecking my calculations, I realized that I had been off on the size of the planet. It wasn't a miniature planet, but was instead about the size of our own Earth. And it wasn't spinning as fast as I had originally calculated. In fact, it was spinning much slower, a little bit slower than our own planet. But that didn't dampen my enthusiasm. What would I call this new planet? It had large blue oceans, continental land masses, and polar ice caps, not unlike Earth. Then it hit me. This wasn't an exact duplicate of Earth, but was very, very similar to an upside-down Earth. I had to step back from the telescope and steady myself. I looked again, and it still looked like an upside-down Earth, but not as much as it had before. In fact, the more I looked at it, the clearer it became. My God, it wasn't an upside-down Earth-likeness at all, but an exact duplicate of Earth. I had been right in the first place. I was stunned. But then I was struck by a thought that was even more devastating. What if it wasn't an exact copy of us, but instead we were an exact copy of it? The possibilities were fantastic. What were we like, I wondered. Were we warlike? Did we look like humans? So it was with great disappointment that I realized I had been aiming the telescope at a picture of Earth on the wall. <laughs> I had been right after all. It was a duplicate of Earth, and yet it wasn't a planet. I sat back in my chair, stunned. <laughs> when I finally recovered, I began to scan the nighttime skies. What would I find? The possibilities were enormous. Everything from an exact duplicate of Earth to a planet that, if you blurred your vision, might look quite similar to our own. Then I saw it. If that wasn't a hologram of Earth, I don't know what was. But who could be projecting such a hologram? Were they like us? Did they have the same hopes and dreams and hologram projectors? Just as I was being stunned by all of this, I heard a voice. Wake up! Wake up! I woke up. And then it hit me. It had all been a dream. I had fallen asleep at the telescope. 
Then I went back to sleep for about three hours, and this time I didn't dream at all. But I woke up again, and I realized that the next to last nap had all been a dream. I was stunned. Hey, Bob, I said, you wouldn't believe that dream I had two naps ago. I dreamed I discovered a planet that was just like our planet, Earth. Earth, said Bob. Our planet isn't called Earth. It's called Megatron. I was stunned. What in the name of a supreme being exactly like God was going on here? No, wait, I was thinking of another planet, Bob said. This is Earth. Eagerly, I turned the telescope toward the sky. What new marvels were awaiting me up there, I wondered. The Impatient Billionaire and the Mirror for Earth by B.J. Novak. If only the Earth could hold up a mirror to itself. Say no more, thought the impatient billionaire in the audience at the TED conference, who found the speaker's voice as whiny and irritating as his ideas were inspiring and conscientious shifting. He already knew the part of the speech that was going to stick with him. A mirror for the earth. Amazing, unbelievable, tricky, but doable. He got it. Let's make the goddamn thing. I want you to make me a mirror for the earth, he said to his engineers, who were used to things like this. How big do you want the mirror to be? Full length. How big do you want the earth to look? Full size. It can't be full size, said the head engineer. Yes, it can be, said the impatient billionaire. And by the end of today, my head engineer is going to be somebody who says how, not why it can't. If it's full size, said the head engineer, you'll only see the reflection of what is in your field of vision up to the horizon point. That's not what you want, is it? You, you're picturing seeing like China or something, right? Yes, said the impatient billionaire. Exactly, things like China. So let's figure out how big, said the engineer. I want you to be able to look up into the sky through binoculars and literally wave at yourself, said the impatient billionaire. But you could also look at the White House or your grandmother in Florida or, or see two people on a date in Brazil. My God, man, do you realize what this could mean for humanity? You're only going to be able to see one hemisphere at a time, said the head engineer. That means you won't be able to see China and Brazil at the same time. Which one's more important to you? I don't know. Same. Brazil, said the impatient billionaire. The engineer took some notes with a little pencil. Wait said the impatient billionaire. Is this mirror going to burn a hole through the planet? Don't just yes me with everything. Really think about it. A mirror that big, reflecting the sun, facing us. I don't want to burn up a whole planet. I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> uh, it should be okay, said the head engineer. We should be able to come up with a material that reflects plenty of light, but not a meaningful amount of heat. Let me talk to the team. The engineers talked numbers and said they could probably have something up in 18 months. Why not six, said the impatient billionaire, trying to force into his eyes that rogue, intoxicating glimmer that he knew had served him well in life so far. Eighteen, said the engineering team. Fine, said the impatient billionaire. If you can really guarantee 18 months, fine. 
35 months and two weeks later, more than a year late and $700 million over budget, the mirror for Earth finally went up into the night sky. <laughs> but nobody remembers how long something takes. They only remember how good it was in the end. And in the end, the mirror was magnificent. After a very short amount of time, the mirror for Earth became one of those things that people couldn't ever imagine not having. When people caught sight of themselves in the mirror, individually and as an entire species, they thought twice about how they looked doing whatever they were doing. Crime disappeared. Wars evaporated. Meanness declined dramatically. The mirror changed everything forever for the better. Besides all that, the thing was quite simply beautiful. One summer night, a few years later, the impatient billionaire couldn't sleep. The air conditioning in his master bedroom was broken, and even an impatient billionaire didn't have a way to get an air conditioner fixed in the middle of the night without waking up a wife who was asleep in the same room. The impatient billionaire's mind started running through all the projects that he had in the works, none of which was going as fast as it should be. You'd think the man who put a goddamn mirror on the earth would attract the best and brightest engineers, but apparently not, he thought to himself. Impatient for nothing in particular, the impatient billionaire wandered outside to his bedroom balcony and picked up a pair of binoculars. They'd been a gift from the head engineer, but he'd never actually opened it. After a couple of minutes spent searching and focusing, he found what he thought to be himself up in the sky, and he made some specific gestures with his arms to confirm that he really was staring at himself and not one of his neighbors who might just happen to be wearing a similar pair of pajamas and a late-night impulse. Yes, that was him. That was him waving wildly. That was him, the little figure in red, jutting out into the endless black. And then, after the impatient billionaire had established that it definitely, certainly was him up there in the sky, he made a few more funny gestures anyway, just for fun. What a cool thing he had made. Thanks. Documentary begins. Show monkey in a tree. Narrator says, The monkey, proud and smart in his native habitat, but one thing he does not have, Show a giraffe, is a long neck, which is why nature has allowed them to combine forces. Show monkey on giraffe's neck. Note, monkey may have to be tied on. Then the narrator says, The monkey can now see very far, and has protection from predators, and the giraffe has a friendly little guy to ride around on him. Monkey is shot by a poacher and falls from the giraffe. Put ketchup on monkey to make him look bloody, but put something bad tasting in the ketchup or monkey will lick it all off, probably. Shoot BB gun at giraffe to make him run away. Narrator. But alas, the monkey and the giraffe have been separated. Show monkey wandering around, injured, lost, and alone. Make him trip using fishing line attached to his leg. Try to get this on the first take, because after that, monkey will probably try to bite off fishing line. And it would seem now the king of the jungle has taken notice of the estrangement. 
Show giraffe being chased by a lion. If not too expensive, use full-sized, realistic robotic lion able to run at full speed. Otherwise, get a man in a lion suit. The oppressive sun beats down on the monkey. Use heat lamp. The monkey looks up with an expression as if to say, Why, oh sun, do you torment me so? Get a good director. But to others, nature can be an even crueler mistress. We see lion eating a giraffe. At first we think it's our giraffe, but then we are relieved to see it's just some baby giraffe. Suddenly, a rock slide has covered the monkey. Fake monkey. Then show monkey crawling out. Real monkey with a few heavy rocks laid on top of him. Narrator? Will the monkey and the giraffe ever be reunited? Can they survive on their own? Show monkey trying to join a group of other monkeys. Real monkeys or children in monkey suits, whichever is cheaper. Our monkey is driven away by the leader of the new pack. Paper mache marionette. He is a vicious, cruel, snarling brute. Show subtitles translating monkey snarls as Thought you were so great when you were all riding on that giraffe's neck. Not so high and mighty now, are we? And nature can often prove a lonely place for all. Show giraffe all alone in the darkness. It is nightfall, and the giraffe is alone, shivering from fear. Put ice packs on his legs. Finally, he falls asleep. Sleeping pills? And he begins to dream. Flash to giraffe dream. In it, we see the giraffe fearfully approaching a gravestone. At first, he can't make out the name on it, but when he finally does, he is shocked. The name on the gravestone reads, The Monkey. The giraffe wakes in a cold sweat. Heat lamp? Meanwhile, nearby. Show two female explorers swimming in a crystal clear lagoon. So you can see they're nude. Two explorers drinking in the pristine wilderness, Lacey and Brandy. Show the explorers swimming for a while. Like, quite a while. Then show them eventually getting dressed and leaving. We notice they have left behind a pair of binoculars. The monkey is starving now. We know this because when he looks at a parrot on a branch, it turns into a roasted steaming parrot on a branch. The monkey is at the end of his rope. And so he finally puts his faith in the Almighty. The monkey begins to pray. Glue monkey's hands together. Glorious angelic choir music fades in. Glorious angelic choir music fades out. Later, the monkey walks the grasslands, seemingly at ease again. Be sure to unglue hands first. And what's this? He sees a glowing treasure chest. He opens it. It's filled with bananas. Have glorious choir of angelic singing return so you know it's from God. Healed and refreshed with the holy wellness of banana nutrition, the monkey heads off. For quick comic relief, monkey approaching a skunk and getting sprayed. If monkey will not approach skunk, feed monkey whiskey so he will relax. Don't let him drink too much or he may kill skunk. And what's this? Another bit of good fortune. Show monkey finding the binoculars, then the monkey learning how to use binoculars. Have plenty of film ready. This could potentially take some time. Have the monkey climb up a tree and scan the horizon. We see his point of view, which finally focuses on, yes, 
the giraffe. He screams with joy. But joy is a rare and fleeting occurrence in the wilderness. Immediately, the giraffe is shot by a tranquilizer dart. Show the shooters, two trappers from a local zoo. We know they are evil because we saw a part earlier where they were like shooting each other with the tranquilizer darts just to get high. And change comes all too quickly. Cut to a truck traveling across the savannah. There's a cage in the back with the giraffe looking sad. Half a sleeping pill? But then we reveal that it's not the two trappers driving the truck. It's the monkey. Use a cheap truck, because the monkey will probably wreck it. Then show the two trappers sitting on the ground, all tied up. No need to show how the monkey captured them. Just have one of the trappers say, That goddamn monkey! Show monkey releasing the giraffe from cage, and monkey leaping onto the neck of giraffe. Note, monkey may not do this, so just put the monkey on the giraffe's neck and jerk back on the harness. Then play the footage in reverse. The monkey and the giraffe have been reunited at last, as nature always intended. Show giraffe trying in vain to reach a piece of fruit high on a branch. The monkey clambers up on top of the giraffe's head and picks the fruit, but then eats it himself. The giraffe shakes his head and laughs. Give giraffe something to induce choking, then dub in laughing sounds. Show the two hot female explorers, Lacey and Brandy, returning to the lagoon, looking for their lost binoculars. They can't find them, so they decide to go swimming again. The monkey and the giraffe gallop off into the sunset. Question. Would it be too much to show the monkey wearing a little cowboy hat? Cute, but maybe stretches reality a bit. Thanks. Thank you all for coming out. We'll see you next time, all right?